Morrison here with my co-host and fellow agitator David Story. It is Saturday, October 31st, 2020. It is Halloween, and we're broadcasting live, trying to get online and on the radio on WVNN in the Huntsville, Decatur, Athens listening area from Athens, Alabama. The recording of this program will play tomorrow, Sunday, November 1st, 2020, on the great WGOL in Russellville, Alabama. Today is Open Line Saturday. Give us a call at 1-866-494-9866. Again, that number is 1-866-494-WVNN. And talk to us about unions, whatever else you want. All this and more on today's Valley Labor Report. Thanks for tuning in, folks. We appreciate your time. If you want to see what we're up to throughout the week, get our snide quips about the news of the day, then you should follow us on social media. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash Valley Labor Report. We're on Twitter at Labor Reporters. I'm on Twitter at Jacob M underscore AL. David is on Twitter at Radical Unionist. That's spelled R-A-D-I-C-L Unionist. If you missed part of the show and want to go back and watch it later, you can search YouTube for The Valley Labor Report and subscribe to our channel. You can go back and watch the full show there, and we also clip segments throughout the week. We also upload the program on more than 11 different podcasting apps. So to see if we are on your listening platform of choice, go to The Valley Labor Report dot transistor dot fm slash subscribe and if you appreciate our work and want to help us stay on the air consider throwing us a couple dollars a month on patreon.com slash the valley labor report uh so we're having some technical difficulties again we were streaming online before we started we start streaming about five minutes before the show starts and the computer crashed, so I'm not sure what the deal is there. Uh, I, I I think that we're getting back online. I'm not sure if the computer is going to crash again, um, but we are recording and we are uh, on the radio. If you're in the Huntsville, Decatur, Athens listening area, tune in to 92.5. That would be the safest safest way to listen to us. Um We are also on WVNN.com. You can go there and click Listen Live. The stream is back up, I believe, though. So hopefully we're able to. Hopefully we're gonna be able to uh, uh, keep that going for the rest of the show. <clears throat> but you may have noticed that we didn't have any ads running into the opening today, and that's because today and the last Saturday of every month moving forward is the Alabama AFL-CIO Open Line Saturday. The Alabama AFL-CIO has generously sponsored the last Saturday of every month so that we don't have to run ads and we can take more calls, we can talk more, and we can interact more with our audience. So we we really appreciate, thanks so much to our sisters and brothers in the labor movement in Alabama. We really appreciate that. It's really helpful. and, you know, hopefully, I believe that we can do some good with it. Um, you know, the goal of the show is to build the labor movement here in Alabama, in the Tennessee Valley. And so we appreciate uh, that our sisters and brothers in the labor movement see some value in that. We've got a caller on the line now, Daniel Tate. He is the 
chief operating officer of Energy Alabama. He co-founded the organization in 2014 to accelerate the state's transition to sustainable energy. And he is on the line to talk to us about Alabama Power's um, Alabama Power's ridiculous uh, ridiculous rates of profits compared to uh, comparable utilities in other states, and uh, the fact that they are now going uh, they're moving forward with plans to cut off power for. Uh, poor people in Alabama in the midst of a pandemic. So, Daniel, thank you so much for calling in. We appreciate your time. Uh, talk talk to us about that. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, I definitely appreciate uh, the opportunity to speak. And, and yeah, I mean, you, you said it exactly right. I mean, Southern Company, which is the parent company of Alabama Power, and they also own, you know, some other utilities like Georgia Power, Mississippi Power and, you know, some other types of affiliated entities around the, the greater Southeast. But uh, it's a extremely profitable company. And as you mentioned, you know, Alabama Power is actually either the or one of the most profitable utilities in the entire country. And I don't think it's a shock to, you know, y'all or any of your listeners that Alabama is one of the poorest states uh, in, the, in the country. Uh, and that's been the case for quite some time. And so it's kind of a crazy juxtaposition, right, that you have some of the, the poorest residents in the country that are paying uh, the highest utility bills in the country, uh, supporting one of the most profitable utilities, and ultimately that money is you know, being shipped out of Alabama and going to, to shareholders um, on Wall Street as opposed to regular folks here in the state. And so, you know, I, I was talking about this the other day, and I think that's, you know, when you, uh, Jacob, and I were talking about it, just that Last quarter alone, Southern Company, the parent company, made you know over 1.2 billion dollars in profit, just profit in the last three months. Mm. Uh, the last and three months. Meanwhile, yeah, That's just the crazy. last three months alone. Last year, it was like 4.7 billion for the total, you know, net income, the net profit for Southern uh, for 2019. Um, and to put this in perspective for folks, right? Like when I talk about uh, debt or cutting off people in the, in the midst of a pandemic, you know, Alabama is a black hole because our public service commission doesn't actually hold the utilities accountable for their actions. But in Georgia, we have some data about how many people are behind and can't pay their bills. They're out of work, things like that. Um, and we know that right now about a hundred million dollars, maybe a little bit more than that of total bad debt is out there for customers in Georgia power which is a larger utility than Alabama. So I say all this to say that's a rounding error. If you think, of, if you think about their net profit being, you know, $4.7 last year, $1.25 billion this last three quarters, they could forgive all of that debt, and it yeah. would barely even show on their reports, you know, to, to, the, to Wall Street, to the investors. That is, I mean, that's just, that is so hard for me to wrap my head around the fact that their profits, even that they could forgive all of the debt from poor and working people in Alabama, and it would be a rounding error on their profits from the last three months, not to mention the last year, but the last three months. That's right. Yeah, and then we also... No, go ahead. We we also talk about, like, you know, not, not only is the company itself obviously profiting off of poverty, 
which is just, again, a crazy assertion. Uh, but, you know, some of the executives there are, are making out like bandits as well. I mean, last year, Tom Fanning, the CEO of uh, Southern Company, you know, he walked away with a, a record compensation of $28 million himself alone. So, I mean, like, you know, he, he could take himself <laughs> like a 50% pay cut, still make tens of millions of dollars, right? And we'd have thousands of people that could have their lights uh, restored uh, across the, you know, few states here in the southeast. That's insane. That, and and so, so what was his compensation again? Last year it was about $28 million. It was $28 million. Wow. This is a, <laughs> this is a government-protected private monopoly. I mean, like this may as well be – it may as well be tax money because they are a government-protected monopoly. And the, the, the top person here at this company is making tens of millions of dollars off of our utility bills. And, and, and can, can you talk more about how Alabama fares as far as how, how, um, how much we pay in utilities and how much profit Alabama Power makes versus comparable states? Because that's something that really stuck out to me, the fact that we pay more and Alabama Power has a higher rate of profit than Georgia Power or than uh, similar utilities in Mississippi. Yeah, I mean, you nailed it, right? So the way it works is, uh, like you said, we have these effectively government-backed monopolies. So the state of Alabama effectively gives Alabama power, in this case, uh, or Georgia, Georgia Power, and across the country it's like this. This is not you know, just Alabama that does it this way. Uh, because we didn't want, you know, 100 years ago, we didn't want 15 electric grids running through people's neighborhoods. And we said, okay, well, it makes sense just to have, you know, one set of infrastructure, one set of wires here, right? And and we're going to make sure we regulate that one company because, as you know and as listeners know, it's uh, uh, an American <laughs> it, it, an American right to not like monopolies because of the abuses that we've seen throughout American history of, what monopolies uh, do to regular consumers. And so the idea was we're going to grant you a monopoly, but in exchange for stringent regulation uh, to act as the placeholder for a market. You know, you don't like a particular service in the market, you can just leave them. But you can't leave if you're a resident of Birmingham and you want electricity, you paid this one company. That's it. Mm -hmm. You you don't have another choice. You You have to buy from them. And you look to your elected representative of the Public Service Commission to hold those companies accountable and make sure that they're actually doing what's in the public's interest. And so your second question, you know, they're clearly not doing that uh, because Alabama Power is one of the most profitable utilities in the country. Um, So in the utility industry and and in others, but uh, we talk a lot about something called return on equity, and that is – more or less a kind of a proxy for profitability. The higher the number, the more return on their assets they're allowed. In other words, profit on their assets and investments they're allowed to make. Uh, Alabama Power has, you know, probably the highest of any investor-owned utility that I've ever seen. There may be, you know, some random IOU out there that I haven't seen, but they are allowed to earn, you know, between 13 and 14 percent, you know, profit margin, just guaranteed. There is no risk to them. You can't go anywhere. Um, And that's much higher than many other industries and much, much higher than even other utilities. Um, So I 
you know, wrote an article uh, for the Energy and Policy Institute, uh, I don't know, maybe a few months ago, kind of analyzing this question a little bit more, right, of, okay, well, not only is their profit margin and their, their rate high, but how much does that really hurt Alabamians, right? Uh, how much have we all paid on our utility bills for this largest street? And the number is pretty staggering. So between 2014 and 2018, I think it was, 2014, so about a five-year period, 2014 through 2019, um, the number was a billion dollars in excess profit. So in other words, not just profit, but profit above kind of the national median for return on equity for other utilities. So if we look across the country and say, well, you know, what's kind of the average profitability being awarded to those utilities? Alabama Power was well above that, and it was costing the average, you know, account for Alabama Power about $700 over the course of a five-year period. So, I mean, that's nothing to sneeze at. That's a lot of money for regular folks. Definitely. And and you mentioned that, you know, why is this a government-protected monopoly? Why do we want a monopoly here where, generally speaking, like you said, Americans are, are rightfully so um, skeptical about monopolies? And the reason is that it doesn't make sense to have, you know— three or four or five or 11 different electrical grids, like it's just much more efficient to have one electrical grid. And so then to either, the, the, the choices then are between a private monopoly and a public monopoly. Here in North Alabama, we have a public monopoly. We get our power through the TVA, uh, which uh, as you, uh, I believe it was either in your tweet or in an article that I was reading about this, they mentioned that here in North Alabama, our utility rates are significantly lower than in the southern half of the state uh, because they get their power from Alabama Power and we get our power from the TVA. And, uh, and the TVA is a government monopoly. The TVA is a federal agency um, and Alabama Power is a private agency. It's a private company that is re- regulated by the government. Now, that is not, that's not necessarily to say that that can't work, but for it to work, we have to have regulators that are willing to do the job of regulation. We have to have government uh, watchdogs keeping these private corporations, like uh, uh, keeping them on a leash, so to speak, so that they don't run wild uh, with profits and and stealing from us, basically stealing a billion dollars in four years from working Alabamians. Um, so c- can you talk a bit of c- tell us what and and, and so. Th- the Public Service Commission is the entity that is supposed to do that with Alabama Power. Tell us a, a, a bit about the job description of the Public Service Commission, what they're like technically supposed to do, and how and their record over the last few, you know, over the last several years. Yeah, well, you mentioned it. I mean, they're they're supposed to be the the arbiter between, you know, the regular folks of the state and the utility company to, to determine what is fair, what is just and fair uh, between the two, right? Because, you know, you can go to the extreme in either direction and the system collapses in mm-hmm. the sense that if you do what we're currently doing, we're going to one extreme and saying that, you know, the, the shareholder is king, uh, charge as much as you possibly can, disconnections, regular folks, ability to pay, uh, economic development, you know, effectively 
doesn't matter. We're going to, we're going to enrich the shareholder. Right. And then that catches Alabama, keeps us in this persistent uh, cycle of poverty, or at least doesn't help us get out of it because of how much money people, uh, you know, are paying on a utility bill. But the other, the inverse is true as well, right. Is in the sense that there has to be at least a healthy enough utility financially, if you're going to have a, a private utility like this, as opposed to public, as you mentioned, uh, has to be healthy enough to, to exist. We don't want the utility company to go away. We need electricity, so we need them to be able to operate. And that public service commission, right, is supposed to be the arbiter to say, what do we need to do to make sure the utility company can operate it and safely and reasonably and do what it's supposed to do so that when I turn my lights on, the lights actually come on, uh, but also not in the way that sacrifices the well-being. And when I turn that light on, uh, I'm automatically uh, at a worse, uh, in a worse position than I would be had I not turned it on. Right, right. So it's my understanding that uh, we've got – I hadn't followed this a whole lot. Jacob kind of brought it up to me, but I followed uh, – what is it? Uh, Laura Casey, I believe, mm-hmm. is running for the Public Service Commission. And – seen her post a lot over the past couple of years and the public service commission kind of hides behind closed doors really whenever they meet and i've noticed uh the past six months nine months or so she actually tried to record uh bring in video uh uh, maybe her phone or something other like that and just broadcast it to where the public can see what's going on here which makes perfectly good sense if if they're representing the people of alabama you should be able to uh, have some type of record of it and they absolutely refused shut her down they arrested her right yeah yeah and so they it really speaks to what the public the the public service commission is what they're doing right now uh apparently they're they're afraid to let the public know but you know Mm -hmm. there's no accountability there the only accountability you have in Alabama, right, is through the ballot box. Uh, and you're exactly right. I was actually there at that at that meeting. They removed her and, and another woman from the meeting because they were uh, live streaming. And, you know, she, she fought that all the way to the Alabama Supreme Court and lost, right? I mean, it goes also to show how weak and um, corrupt, you know, frankly, corrupt worthless are word. open meetings. Yeah, well, that too, but also just, you know, we have Open Meetings Act and uh, open records law here in the state that is practically worthless. You know, if what's the point of having even an Open Meetings Act if you can't even have an open meeting? Yeah. So uh, those things need to be reformed as well. But, you know, to your point about accountability, in, in a case where you have an elected public service commission, your only real accountability is at the ballot box. And... But it's not just – I want people to, to, to understand that it's not just with the Public Service Commission because the Public Service Commission was created by the legislature. So ultimately, it is responsible to the Alabama legislature. And if the Alabama legislature decides that the Public Service Commission, as it's currently structured, uh, is not doing its job, is not holding the interests of the people um, at heart and wants to make changes, it can do so. It has the ability to make wholesale changes to the Public Service Commission or to even pass laws that override uh, or change decisions of the Public Service Commission. So it is not like if something is done at the PSC, it's the end-all, be-all. We all 
we all vote for people at the state house and state senate uh, who ultimately can also hold these folks accountable as well. Right. Yeah, and the, the unfortunate part about that, it sounds like, is if, if Laura actually does win this uh, the race that uh, and she begins uh, making public a lot of the things that's going on, it sounds mm-hmm. like the legislature has the authority to come in and shut her down as mm-hmm. well, which is is the terrible part about this. You can get good people in there, it sounds like, and steal uh, these uh, corporate bootlickers down in Montgomery can still come in and shut them down. So that's right. I mean, if you look at the way the current system is structured, it is structured to benefit the monopoly, you know, and, and so, and that in this case is Alabama power, or if you're a gas customer at Spire, Alabama, right? So it's, it is created, it is done, and it has kind of morphed itself over the course of many decades so that, you know, attempts at reform are going to be long, hard slogs to get done. They're not going to happen overnight uh, because there are all these levers of influence and power that, you know, these monopoly entities, these have. And, you know, a big one that we haven't even talked about is, you know, campaign contributions, right? So not only are they taking all this excess profit from us, but what do they do with those excess profits? Well, they buy politicians. Right. Yeah, the – so we, we can talk about the race a little bit. Uh, Twinkle Kavanaugh is the Republican that is running. Her campaign is entirely funded by Alabama Power, right? No, in Alabama, it's actually illegal, uh, as in most states, for utility companies uh, to give directly to um, the regulators. So, you know, Alabama Power right. is uh, legally prohibited from donating directly to uh, anyone running for that race. Um but we have documented, or I have documented in other states and, and uh, delving into Alabama data right now. But um, there are many ways around that, right? You can give to PACs that yeah, turn around and exactly. give. And there are a lot of affiliated interests that do so. Um, and in this particular race, there's a lot of coal money uh, that, that's, that's mm-hmm. flying into it as well. So um – like I said, she's the, the Twinkle is the is the Republican that's running. She's been there since 2010, I believe. What is she What is she saying about this? The fact that Al, uh, Alabama Power has one of the highest profits of any utility company in the nation. That they have taken a billion dollars in excess profits from Alabamians. That they're about to disconnect uh, like thousands of working and poor Alabamians from power during the middle of a pandemic, uh, during the middle of winter, what, uh, uh, th- that Laura Casey was arrested at a public service commission meeting for trying to uh, enlighten the public on what is going on at our service commission. What is she saying about all this? She seems pretty happy with her record from what I can tell. Um, you know, she, she, she often will talk about uh, the fact that Alabama has lower than the national average on our electric rates. Uh, and so there's this dichotomy, right, that people are using language to hide the truth. And this is an example of that, right? Alabama is just slightly under the national average when it comes to how much we pay per kilowatt hour. But we use a ton of energy. Number one, at obvious because it's our climate, but Alabama's climate is not that much different than Georgia, Mississippi, Louisiana, or for that matter, it's even hotter in Florida, right? Uh, So it's not like we're an outlier in terms of the climate because we're Hawaii. We're not. 
but we have extremely high utility bills. So I always argue to folks that, you know, the rate, while it's important, is not what really matters. What matters is the number that comes on people's bills at the end of the day. What are they have? What do they have to pay? And that is driven by the rate times the consumption. Our consumption is so high because of climate, but also because we've made terrible policy decisions that encourages the utility company to sell more and more and more, whereas other states have invested in a lot of conservation and energy efficiency, distributed generation like uh, solar at the residential and small commercial level for local small businesses to help reduce how much we have to buy, right? and drive bills down because those save money both for the people who do them but also for all ratepayers. because if we don't need to build new gas plants like Alabama Power just did, um, that would have saved customers a billion and a half dollars. But no, we had to build a new power plant because we didn't invest in efficiency. So she seems pretty happy with that record. She thinks that they're being open and transparent, that they have uh, low rates, and that it's just because it's hot here that bills are high. And one of the things that, that really that I've read in the past year that really just irks me is the fact that if you as a homeowner want to begin trying to break free of this monopoly and install solar panels on your house or at your business, that they, they put a tax, that Alabama Power actually puts a tax on your electric bill to try to discourage you from doing that. And that's this is insanity. Yeah, it really is. I mean, if you think about the at least stated ethos of this state, right, of being the fan of markets, being the fan of low taxation, being the fan of property rights, uh, all of that was thrown completely out the window to do favors for Alabama Power here. And so Alabama Power has, you know, at least the highest I've been able to find uh, tax on solar in the country, you know, advocates uh, in the state and clean energy advocates in the state, including Energy Alabama, you know, that I work for, attempted to challenge that and get it changed. And, of course, Alabama Power came back and said, we should raise the tax, and the Public Service Commission agreed. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, regular folks who are trying to take these decisions into their own hands for their small business or their home and their family, um, they're rewarded, you know, with extra taxes that don't exist in other states. I mean, let's be honest here. Georgia Power, the sister company of Alabama Power, tried the same shenanigans with the Georgia Public Service Commission, who is also all Republican, by the way. And they didn't even do it. Like the the Georgia right. Commission effectively told them to get out of here with that. Yeah, um, Daniel, we're that's not going to fly next door. We're coming up on a hard break for, for the top of the hour news, but we're going to bring you on for just a couple more minutes after that. Are you okay to stay on? All right. We'll talk to talk more to Daniel after the break. Stay tuned. This is the Valley Labor Report. Huntsville's number one news talk and weather station. WVNN FM. WVNN FM Trinity. A cumulus station. It's 10 o'clock. Alright folks, welcome back to the Valley Labor Report. Today is the Alabama AFL-CIO Open Line Saturday. 
No ads courtesy of the Alabama AFL-CIO besides the, you know, the, the, the hard breaks at the bottom and the top of the hour. So we're going long today. And uh, if you want to give us a call, 1-866-494-9866 is the number. On the line right now, though, we've got Daniel Tate. Uh, he is the chief operating officer for Ala- uh, Energy Alabama. He founded that organization in 2014 to help speed Alabama's transition to sustainable energy. And uh, I'll let you pick up where we um, where you left off on the other side of the break, Daniel. Yeah, we were just talking about the tax, right, on, on solar and being that it just is completely antithetical to everything that Alabama claims it stands for when it talks about low taxation and, you know, free markets and customer choice and property rights and things like that. So, you know, I, I was just mentioning that the, the Georgia Power had tried to do the same thing, which is, of course, you know, Alabama Power's sister company next door. And, you know, that commission basically kind of laughed them out the door and said, you know, you're not going to you're not going to try that here. But our commission seemed to be quite happy to uh, to comply. Right. And no, go ahead. I was going to say, so it's interesting. You know, you said that they can't donate directly to uh, the, the Alabama Power or a corporation that's been regular can't donate to the regulators of that uh, entity uh but of course with citizens united and all the dark money that flows through packs we know that that's that's easily uh easily uh getting around gotten around but they can donate to uh legislators i assume governors uh secretaries of state and things like that have you done any research at all i know i'm kind of hitting you blind on this but to see how much if, if any at all, Alabama's power is donating to uh, legislator campaigns or governor campaigns or anything like that. Or PACs. Yeah, or, yeah, or that's true, or PACs. I don't know that they have to report PACs, but... Hmm. Yeah. yeah, well, I, I, w- I would tell you that I don't have a specific number completely off the top of my head right now, but, you know, yes, they are. They can donate to basically everybody else or anybody else and issues and things like that. So they could donate they to the legislators that, legis- that create the regulate- regulation, uh, the, uh, the Public Service Commission. That's correct, yes. And, and they do, right. So they are one of, you know, while I couldn't give you an exact number off the top of my head, they are one of, if not the largest donors in the state of Alabama. And I think anybody who walks the, house, uh, the, the, the halls of the state house would tell you that you know, Alabama Power is probably the most uh, influential and powerful entity in the state. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. Daniel, thank you so much for calling in. This is, I, I feel like this has been a very informative discussion. And, folks, um, like we mentioned, there is a race on the ballot for the Public Service Commission. The president of the Public Service Commission, the incumbent is Twinkle Kavanaugh. The challenger is Laura Casey. Laura Casey's the Democrat, but, folks, the Public Service Commission doesn't have anything to say about abortion doesn't have anything to say about immigration any of these none none of those social issue type stuff this the only thing that the public service commission has control of is regulating the utilities so just think about that when you go to the ballot box don't think about whether there's an r or a d next to their name think about who is going to be better for working alabamians yeah, well, think about who has been detrimental for working Alabamians the last yeah. 10 years. One of them's got a record. Yeah. Yeah. Daniel, thanks for thanks so much for calling in. Uh, where can people find you and, and, and you know, uh, follow up more on some of this uh, some of this information? 
Yeah, well, thanks for having me. You know, energyalabama.org is our website, and that's where you can find work that we're doing here in the state of Alabama. And, of course, it's the same handle across all social channels, Facebook and Twitter. And if you'd like to see my personal rantings uh, on Twitter, it's at Tate, T-A-I-T-D-L, uh, often talking about utilities and monopoly issues there as well. Gotcha. Yeah. Thanks a lot. That was, it's been very informative, and I think it's something that most of the citizens of Alabama have no clue what the PSC is, and they need to uh, be a little bit more educated on it. Yeah. All right, Daniel. Sure. Thanks Thank for you, calling all right. Uh, so, again, folks, that was uh, Daniel Tate. He is the chief operating officer for Alabama or Energy Alabama. You can find him and Energy Alabama stuff on Facebook, Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. Um, they do lots of really good work. Uh, they do lots of really good work around these uh, around these sorts of issues, uh, making sure that uh, making sure that Alabamians are uh, that they know what's going on. So um, you know, make sure that make sure that you're following them. They're doing some really good work. Um, so on the line now. And, folks, remember, this is the Alabama AFL-CIO Open Line Saturday. If you want to give us a call, 1-866-494-9866 is the number. We've got another caller on the line. It's Lee Baines Third of Lee Baines and the Glory Fires. They are a band out of Birmingham, Alabama. They are fantastic. They are fa a fantastic band, uh, and they're on their Twitter, uh, their Twitter bio. They describe themselves as deep south, wide open, far left liberation gospel. Dude, I, I, I absolutely <laughs> love that. I, I mean, that is one of the greatest <laughs> descriptions in the history of mankind. I love it. <laughs> I love it. So, Lee, thank you so much for calling in. I feel like we got a big star. I've been seeing uh, – I feel like I got a big star on the radio today. I've been seeing uh, some of your interviews across the pond. You did an interview with a podcast in the U.K. Uh, here a while back. Uh, I've seen you on uh, some uh, radio in Seattle, um, just all over the place. So I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to, to talk to us. Uh, you've got a new EP oh, man, out. Oh, it's good to be in uh, good to be in Athens, Alabama. Yes, at least uh, at least telephonically. You know? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So you've got a new EP out, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, it came out uh, came out yesterday. Talk talk to us a little bit about that. Well, uh, <clears throat> we had cut a version of um, I don't know if y'all are familiar with uh this band the tom robinson band who was like a leftist uh kind of new wave punk band in the uk in the late 70s and um we cut a version of their song 2468 motorway which was like a big hit in the uk but i don't i guess it didn't really get as big over here but um we cut a version of that song and uh, as well as I, I did three uh, versions of my songs on an acoustic guitar by myself, which usually our stuff's pretty ramped up, you know, and uh, loud electric guitars. So um, did those kind of quieter versions, and you know, just thinking about like, you know, I mean, I, I 
I love the perspective y'all bring to talking about elections like the one you just like the segment you just had because you bring it into a broader political and economic context, you know, which is like how do these elected officials respond to the needs and the will of the people? You know what I mean? But a lot of times I feel like when we talk about elections, particularly in the media, it's like people talk about it as if that's the only thing that matters. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And as if like change happens uh, from presidents or from uh, people in Congress or whatever, when history shows that it's it's the other way around. It's like change comes from the people, you exactly. know, from collective action. And um, Tom Robinson was was and is like a really great example of practicing that. And, um, you know, just that whole image of like, you know, the motorway over there is what they call the interstate, basically the same kind of thing. And Hmm. that idea of like, you know, it's like nationalized infrastructure. It's something that we all own, you know, that we all work together to build. And it's, um, just that sort of like idea of, uh, freedom, you know what I mean? Like being able to get out there and, uh, and um, keep it moving, keep it rolling. And uh, that's, um, you know, I think that's an important uh, thing to consider in, in these times that freedom is, is constantly pushing forward, you know, and regardless of who wins on Tuesday. Definitely. And, you know, you, you mentioned that about uh, connecting connecting elections or when we touch on elections, we, we connect it to these broad we, we try to connect it to these broader um, social and political trends. And we don't we don't push elections generally. We talk about the results of elections. We talk about the results that that have that has on working people. Um, but we come from a labor perspective. We are both unionists, and uh, we believe that the labor movement is one of, if not the best vehicle for change in the lives of ordinary working people, and we don't put our hopes in politicians. Uh, We don't, and, and we don't define ourselves or our membership or other people's membership in our organizations by who we're voting for on Tuesday. David has lots of members that are going to be voting uh, for the GOP on on Tuesday. You know, we'll have conversations about that. We can disagree about that, but there's a there's a broader and deeper connection that we have to to our members. And 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 you know, speaking of, of connecting um, connecting things to broader societal and, and political trends, that's what you try to do in a lot of your music. Uh, the, one of the interviews that I've listened to you that that you gave over and over was on KEXP in Seattle. Great station, by the way. Great station. Great oh, interview. Man, love that station. Y'all ought to go and listen. Listen to uh, Lee Baines and the Glory Fires on KEXP. You can find it on YouTube. They uh, they played a set and they did a little bit of that. They talked to the host a little bit. One of the things that they talked about is is the you know your the way that you kind of play with your Southern identity. Um, you've got a song about uh, called "We Dare Defend Our Rights," which is mm. the Alabama state motto. Um, but you don't use it in the same way that some of these you know, bootlicking politicians are going to use it. <laughs> That's right, man. Yeah, I wrote that song um, after House Bill 56 was passed, if you remember uh, 
where it was basically like the Alabama legislature uh, not not even giving the police free reign, but uh, basically mandating the police to try to pull over anybody and demand papers that they suspected of being immigrants, you know. And uh, I was I was just thinking about that and thinking about our motto, you know, which is mm-hmm. we dare defend our rights. And uh, man, that seemed like such a a violation of that, you know what I mean? Where when we, um, as the people of Alabama, have the right to go about our lives, you know what I mean? To drive down the road, to go to work, to go to school, to go to church, to do whatever, and uh, without having somebody pull us over for no damn reason, you know? And uh, I just started, and as I started thinking about that, I started thinking about all these different ways that, you know, the power structure in Alabama and the, and the big companies and all that have used that motto to justify violating our rights, you know, all the way back to segregation, all the way back to, um, well, still to the present day with union busting, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like power has always come from we, the people of Alabama saying, nah, nah, we're going to defend our rights here. You know right. what I mean? And that's, and that's either on the Edmund Pettus Bridge or, you know, in the textile mills in 1934 or whatever it is. You know what I mean? It's like the, the people of Alabama putting their common interests first and fighting, you know, the big mules and the fat cats in Montgomery and all that stuff. That's where that motto really shines to me, you know. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that's, that's interesting to me, or I guess it's not interesting, it's, it's really shameful, is the fact that we, you know, I look at, at growing up in Alabama, watching the Dukes of Hazard, you know, run front, run from Big Boss Hog, and uh, yeah. you know, all of our all of our heroes were anti-authoritarian mm-hmm. types and yeah. uh, completely anti-government types, and. Yeah. They've done, and when I say they, I mean the Republicans in general, has done such a wonderful job of right. dividing us on these wedge issues, the social mm-hmm. issues that really don't affect any of us for the most part. And, uh, That's right. And I've seen so many of my good friends turn around and just these back the blue and 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 this this insanity of – uh, well, he had it coming. Uh, if you get mm. if somebody's executed in the middle of the street, mm. he had it mm. coming. He should have. He should have listened to the orders. And I'm just thinking, what? What has my generation <laughs> come to here? You know, right. it's uh, they've done a wonderful job of dividing us. Yes, man, and and you're so right about that because you know it's like yeah, exactly like Duke's a hazard or growing up. Um, you know, like. Waylon Jennings, you know, they're the yeah, outlaws, yeah. you know what I mean? There's yeah. such a long, heroic tradition of standing up to authority and uh, in the South, and that's something. I mean, you know, even my family members that I grew up around that waved the rebel flag, you know, that's what they said it was about, mm-hmm. was about standing up to authority, you know, and standing up to people who tried to tell you how to live. And yet to hear people say that out of one side of their mouth and then, out of the other side, say, yeah, that guy who was unarmed and shot by the police 
deserved it. Um, that, it's mind-boggling, and it's, and it's really sad, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because like you said, there's, you know, there's a lot to be proud of in our, you know, kind of regional history um, of, of standing up to power, whether that was Martin Luther King or whether that's, you know, the first guys uh, driving cars really fast through the mountains to yeah. Uh, yeah. keep moonshine away from the, <laughs> from the revenue yeah. man. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's all yeah. pretty cool stuff, you know? Um, I'd like to, I, I'd like if you could kind of T- tell us, like, wh- what is it that kind of uh, drives your uh, the things that you write music about and the things that you're passionate about? Because you obviously you come at you come at these things from a, a, um, a collective solidarity perspective. Some would call it a left wing perspective. I think you would probably call it a left wing perspective. That, but you are. I mean, folks can you know, folks are listening to you. Like you're born and raised in in uh, Alabama on in in, uh, in in the boonies, so to speak. You know, and and something that 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 you did recently that really stuck out to me was you released eight hours of gospel hymns, and I have never, <laughs> I don't think I have ever met anybody that shares kind of a political worldview with me that also has a really deep appreciation for those old shape note hymns. I mean, in one of those, in one of those sessions, you got to like, you, <laughs> you broke a string and you were like, I got to stomping on that one. I should have known that I was going to break a string. And you know, uh, <laughs> that like, and I have gotten so much out of that and you know, so I don't know if, like, is it kind of a faith-driven? I don't know how your faith plays into that, or if if faith plays a really large role in your life. But um, I'd be interested in kind of hearing about what what are kind of the driving things for you. Man, that's a great question, and I'm that's I'm glad that you got something out of those gospel hours because I I definitely did, and. Um, I guess it's like early in quarantine when I was, was just kind of twiddling my thumbs, you know, and kind of freaking mm-hmm. out like a lot of people, I guess, because uh, we'd had a tour and I was supposed to be on this tour for two and a half weeks and then COVID hit like, you know, or, or it got, you know, all the shutdowns started happening just a couple of days into it. So I was back at home uh, and I didn't have any work lined up and I was like, what the hell am I, what the hell am I doing, you know? Um, and I just went out in the backyard one day and was, uh, just singing gospel songs, which is something that I just do for myself, you know, to kind of, uh, yeah, just realign my spirit, I guess. And, um, I was out there and we had a neighbor a couple doors down where I was like part way through singing a song and I just kind of saw him in my peripheral vision and he was like leaning up against the fence, drinking a beer. You know, and he was like, man, don't mind me. Keep going. You know, and uh, <laughs> that's, great. that's when I was kind of like, well, maybe I should think about doing this, you know, mm-hmm. uh, somewhat publicly. And um, I grew up, my <clears throat> grandparents were church musicians in the Methodist church. My grandma was a choir director and uh, I grew up singing with my granddaddy in church. And, you know, it's interesting when you were talking about well, a lot of which I've been talking about on this episode, like with the TVA, for instance, um, that just always reminds me of them uh, because, you know, I mean, they were, 
you know, one of the things I've been doing during COVID is like the uh, genealogy stuff. You know? And I think my granddaddy was a, I mean, he was like a fifth generation Alabamian, you know, and uh, he was, you know, they were both deeply religious. Uh, but, and man, they, um, they thought that the TVA and the CCC and the WTA mm-hmm. was just the best stuff ever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they talked about it all the time, and they were, you know, because they both, I mean, were in the, well, my granddaddy told me about standing in the bread lines, you know, in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's like, even though they were, I guess, what you might call, like, culturally conservative, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. or traditional-minded, um, they always related um, taking care of ourselves and each other with the Bible. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's how they lived their lives. And that's kind of how I saw them live was they took care of the people around them that were struggling, you know? And, uh, by the time I grew up, their neighborhood was pretty much all black. You know, they were pretty much only white folks still living there. And, um, I just saw the way that they, lived their beliefs you know mm-hmm. what i mean and uh so yeah i mean i like that was kind of how i got into music was through uh through them and through church and then uh, later i got into punk rock you know after <laughs> having bad experiences in my church and all that kind of stuff and but uh yeah i mean over the and over the years there was like certain kind of uh preachers and writers who drew me back to this idea of like how to bring our faith into alignment with our principles, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, of course, like, I mean, we all know about Martin Luther King and, um, reading his writings did a lot for me in that regard. And then also there's a, a white, uh, Baptist pastor in South Georgia, uh, called Clarence Jordan, um, whose writings he started, he and some <clears throat> fellow church members started an illegally interracial farm uh, in South Georgia in the 40s, so long before integration. And uh, he said it was because they were trying to live like Jesus did, you know. Yeah. And uh, and then that took me into like learning about liberation theology in Latin America and um, reading about, uh, you know, different folks who are trying to bring, you know, it's like it says in the Lord's Prayer, uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I've just started trying to learn about people who are trying to uh, bring those ideals of justice and equality and grace and mercy um, and, you know, comforting the afflicted and afflicting the comfortable, uh, mm-hmm. to earth and not just waiting till, you know, till we die. Right. Cut my mic off for a minute while I was answering that phone. It's, it's really amazing to, to listen to you talk about that because I kind of had the same, uh, the same issues, you know, being raised i mean most of us in the south are raised Mm, in church you know that's a given uh but being raised in the southern baptist church it was you know early on and this is back in the 70s 
the it, my my great grandmother started the same church this today in a barn, you know. But it was all about wow. community and mutual aid yeah. and solidarity and all of these things yeah. that most of us on the left believe in. And when I say the left, I don't mean uh, the neoliberals of today. I'm talking right. about the true <clears throat> far left. Uh, right. And I and and as I got into my twenties. I kind of grew away from the church and it's just, it was turning into something that I didn't, I didn't like anymore, you know? And, yep. But then as I got into my thirties and late thirties, I started seeing, Hey, there is a whole nother thing over here on the far left that, that aligns with my, my social and economic values and also my religious values. And, mm -hmm. you know, yep. and that, and I think that's something that the church in the South, especially, uh, has, has, lost is that sense mm. of community and that's i mean they all meet on sunday i get that mm -hmm. but really after sunday they aren't taking care of each other anymore they're not looking out for their neighbors anymore they can mm. care less you know most of them don't even know where who what their neighbors names are mm. you know right. and we've just lost that whole sense of community that and i th i think it's an absolute shame and it's all politically yeah. driven there there is that's no right. doubt in my mind all of this is politically driven for the purpose of separating us and making us fight amongst each other so it's that's beautiful right. to hear what you're saying yeah oh thanks well i mean no you're absolutely right man and i it's funny uh <clears throat> i was just reading this morning that scripture uh from matthew where jesus says you know it's easier for a, a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven yep. you know yep. and it's like but what we see in the church is uh and on tv you know with the televangelists and all that stuff is the opposite is people right. saying that well what god's will is for you to get as rich as possible mm -hmm. and for you to do whatever you need to do to get there yeah. and that if somebody's rich then that's evidence that they're godly you know what i mean right and at that point you're just i mean you're just going up against the words jesus spoke right. you know what i mean it's like to me that's not even a difference of interpretation that's just uh that, that that's just undermining the whole yeah. the whole system. You yeah, know what I mean, and, Lee, uh, we've got that, so. yeah, we've got about uh, thirty seconds here. If you could stay on uh, just for like one or two minutes on the other side, that way you can uh, give your plugs and let folks know where we can find you. Is that be that be all right? Man. Yes, sir. Okay, so we're gonna have the bottom out of the hour news and be right back uh, with more with Lee Baines on the Valley Labor Report. Labor Report. It is the Alabama AFL-CIO Open Line Saturday, the last Saturday of every month. We uh, uh, we just we just want to talk to callers. 1-866-494-9866 is the number. Uh, we've still got Lee Baines on the line. Uh, he is a rock artist from Birmingham, Alabama. 
He's a real big shot, internationally famous. We are. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> we're so proud to have him on the show. Uh, we kept, I kept you longer than I than I told you I would. I, I hope I hope I hadn't <laughs> I hope I hadn't uh, eaten too much of your time. I've just really enjoyed the conversation. And like uh, like I said, uh, I got so much out of those gospel hours. I would really recommend folks. Look that up on Facebook and YouTube. You can find the Gospel Hours on uh, Don Giovanni Records' YouTube page. Um, I, I got so much out of that. I love old uh, shape note gospel hymns. You know, I'm talking just the real simple, you know, one or two chord type stuff. Um, and that, and that's you did eight hours of it. So man, I was I was in heaven <laughs> when I found it. I, I loved it. It uh, so I appreciate you doing that. Um, so Lee, uh, tell folks uh, tell folks where they can find you, where they can buy your new EP that just came out yesterday. Yeah, and, go out and buy it because that is an excellent yes. EP. I listened to it last night. And I wasn't expecting the acoustic uh, versions of everything, but man, I was like mm-hmm. floored by that. Yeah. So where can folks buy, oh, man, buy the EP thanks, and everything else that you, that, that you put out? Well, we're on a pretty much wherever you would go to find stuff online. Uh, we're on that, we're on Bandcamp and, uh, Spotify and, you know, probably local, like I know vertical house and Huntsville yep. carries our stuff. And, um, so yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're a Google away. All right. Lee, thank you so thank, much. Yeah, thank y'all for having me, man. This is I love your show and love what y'all are doing. And, um, yeah, really appreciate uh, what you're doing for the people of Alabama. And thanks for having me on. All right, brother. Thanks so much. Uh, so, folks, make sure you go and look up Lee Baines the Third and the Glory Fires. You can find them on Spotify, Bandcamp, Twitter. It is... Uh, some really good stuff. I've been I've been listening to them almost nonstop uh, <laughs> the last few weeks, the last couple months since I found them. Uh, so make sure you go and look that up. And like you said, you can check them out on YouTube. That that mm-hmm. I seen that gospel video that he done. Yep. It's absolutely amazing. If you like old gospel hymns, if you were raised in the church mm-hmm. like us, it it will yep. set you on fire. Man, I love it. Yeah. I, I told you he got to stomping on one of them and broke a string on his guitar. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you gotta gotta go and check that out. Um, we got about thirty minutes. Yeah, folks, call if in, you, folks. If you want to call in, one eight six six four nine four nine eight six six is the number. I guess the uh, fella who who called in earlier didn't didn't want to come on the air. Well, he was he was a he was a steward in the post office. And, okay, and uh, he he said he listened to us pretty regular. He he didn't agree with everything we said, but he thought you know we were doing a pretty decent job. Uh, but he had he had uh, he had an, a previous appointment. I hated that we couldn't get to mm. him because. I didn't want to uh, interrupt, yeah, interrupt yeah. Lee, but uh, no, that's, did did he say what he wanted to talk about, or what, or was he just? He you know, was just talking to... about being a steward in the post office gotcha. and how some of the things, you know, wasn't wasn't being treated fairly and things right. like that. So yeah, uh, yeah, well, he was retiring and he was he mm-hmm. was sick of it, and you know, I feel yeah. him, I feel him because I, you know, it gets. This is the problem with being uh, actively involved in the union. It is a frustrating process <laughs> having to. De- I mean, can you imagine having yeah. to deal with hundreds of people, mm-hmm. the different uh, the different makeups of uh, attitudes and different political alignments and mm-hmm. different uh, work ethic? I mean, right. it's just a constant <laughs> challenge whenever you're whenever you're a union leader. So I feel for you, brother. 
Yeah. Well, and we appreciate we appreciate you listening. And, and, and if you do, uh, if you get out of your appointment before 11, feel free to call back. one 9866 is the number. But, you know, he said that he, uh, you said something that he said that that's important and that we've touched on uh, today when we were talking to Lee. And I know we've touched on before. But he doesn't agree with everything that we say, and we're not going to agree nah, with everything that nah, he I mean, thinks. Who does? Yeah, you're never going. I don't agree with David on everything. No, far from it. Far from it. <laughs> I, I disagree with him on on quite a few things, but there is a deeper connection that that we have, that working people have, that working people ought to have with one another, with their fellow workers, with their sisters and brothers. Um, you can than, still disagree and love right. somebody. You and know, and we've gotten so right. far away from that. You mm-hmm. can, you can, I can disagree. I disagree with my parents constantly yes. more as a younger child than as I am. Now. Well, I mean, you can, and that's you the mean thing. Your parents is, were right about some things you know, that the, you thought. You know, as, what is that old saying? The, the older I got, the more I realize how smart my dad was and how dumb I was. I mean, ain't that the truth? Yeah, but we've gotten so far yeah. away from the fact that, you know, oh, I'm a, he's a Republican, he's a Democrat, and mm-hmm. or she's a Democrat and she's a Republican, and I hate her. They're snowflakes mm-hmm. or this, and it's like, man, what, what, where have we come to in this nation? Yeah, there's so much more that unites us than divides us. I believe, I tr- I truly believe that that there's more that unites us than divides us, and the. And, and the way that politicians try, the, the way that they are a, the, the, one of the ways that they try to bring people out to vote is they emphasize the divisions instead of trying to bring people together on a common agenda that can benefit all working people. And that's why I think the labor movement is so beautiful that uh, we're able to kind of transcend a lot of these differences that people have and like it doesn't matter so much what your opinion on this or that issue is if you're in my union if you're in the labor movement if you're a working person I'm going to fight for you and I know that if you're in the labor movement you're going to fight for me and so I think that's that's, I mean we've got the same self-interest at the end of the day we won't we want to be able to retire with dignity. Mm-hmm. We want to be able to go to the doctor and be able to afford and know that if we have uh, an emergency, it's not going to bankrupt us. All right. these things that, that you know, it's, it's a common alignment. Right. And what we were talking about earlier as far as solidarity and mutual aid and things like that. Mm-hmm. How, so how often do you hear that on the right? No. Not you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. How often do you hear the hand being extended? Right. So speaking of people trying to divide folks up uh i wanted to talk about that tuberville ad which one i mean good lord man i've been getting no the one the one that was in the courier the one that was in the courier yeah 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 Yeah, the one that brother jeb shared with us man that and it looks like it's gotten around it's gotten the president of the nashville clc sent me that picture like she sent me um jim williams down in aniston shared it and he must have got that from somebody who got it from Jeb. But I was surprised when the Nashville Labor Council president messaged me on, last night. I put it on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And yesterday when I got up, it had, had 63 shares yesterday. Yeah. So it, it's and it's it gotten was, around. But the ad was taken out in a bunch of local newspapers that said, 
Who will stand up to big labor? Big labor. <laughs> Who's going to stand up to working people? Who's going to be the person that fights against workers if you put them in the Senate? Who's going to be the person that fights against higher wages and better working conditions? Tuberville wants you to know that the person who's going to fight against big labor, who's going to fight against working people, is him. He wants you to know that he hates labor. That's what that's what this ad said. This ad in the shoals of all places. In the shoals. Can in you believe sho- that? Let me tell you. Oh if, man. If, if you're not familiar with the shoals area and the lab- the the deep history <laughs> of labor in the shoals. IBW has been over there over a hundred years. There, uh, I'm talking about a hundred years. There are 22 independent labor unions in the shoals. This is what you call not knowing your target area. Yeah. I mean, who, who, who in their right mind? But I, honestly, I don't think that was put in by Tuberville. But he, I'm sure he approved the ad. Uh, uh, you know, Chris Brooks, who was on the show, one of our earlier shows thought that it may have been put in by the The national National right to work, uh, organization. And that's the problem with all this dark money is you don't know who's putting them in. They're all, I mean, there's money coming from everywhere Mm -hmm. in this race to, uh, to do everything they can to smear Doug Jones. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen at this. I mean, he just lies. They just literally, they just flat out lie. They just lie in the article. They say, or in the ad, they say union chieftains funnel this hard earned money, talking about dues dollars, into campaigns, uh, talking about dues dollars and agency fees from non from non union members that are paid to unions unions for the cost of representation. Union chieftains funnel this hard earned money into campaigns of tax and spend politicians. No, they don't. Yeah. No, they don't. That is illegal. You can't. You can't do that. You can't. You would be thrown under the jail for doing that. Yeah. De- uh, David is secretary tre- or he was secretary treasurer for the state Ooh. council machinist. I'm secretary treasurer for the labor council here in this area. We're the, like we have to. We are like literally stewards of dues dues dollars from uh, union members. We like we can't we do not spend dues money on elections on campaign. It doesn't happen. That's a lie. He's lying. But it, it but it sounds good, Jacob. It sounds good, and this is the reason. This is the division there. They love to throw that division in there to make people think, and that is the reason why you have so many people on the right attacking Mm -hmm. unions because they think these union dollars are going to campaigns that are predominantly democrat yes union members predominantly support democratic candidates it's because democratic candidates predominantly support unions Mm -hmm. they Mm -hmm. predominantly put in place good legislation that mm-hmm. that helps workers as opposed to what we've been seeing in the last four years right we talked about it last week yes all of the legislation all of the appointments that has killed union labor not just union labor but workers in general what did you say over ten thousand covid complaints in the last eight months and a hundred of them were inspected 
Yeah. 12 citations issued. And, so and it's so, a good lie. Yeah. It's a good and, lie. And then in this ad, they talk about forced unionism, forced which, is, unionism. which yeah. is another just absurd thing because what they're talking about is the they're talking about right to so-called right-to-work laws and how uh, Donald Trump and Tommy Tuberville support so-called right-to-work laws, which all that is, a right-to-work law, all that is, is the big government getting into private contract negotiations between workers and the employer and telling them what they can and cannot put in their employment contract. That's what it is. It's the exact same thing they campaign on consistently as big government intervention. It's the government dictating the the terms of private employment contracts, and uh, and and you can't even force even in even in non-right to work states. In collective bargaining states, you cannot, uh, you you still can't have as a condition of employment that uh, non-union members pay dues. They can they they can be as a condition of employment pay agency fees which are less than dues which uh uh just uh which go to the cost of directly to the cost of representation and uh contract and and contract negotiations and um and then he talks about how tommy tuberville (laughs) supports the freedom from union violence act yeah it's insanity (laughs) union violence yeah Union violence. How many people have you uh, been violent against in the union, Jacob? I have never been violent against anyone as a member of the union. But you know who has had vi- who has had violence inflicted on them? Union members. Yeah. By cops. By bosses. By Pinkertons. By scabs. Yeah. That's who the violence is done against, and you don't see you don't see any y- union members calling for. And what the Freedom from Union Violence Act does is it makes like. It makes violence in support of unionism like a federal hate crime or something. Like violence in support of unionism is still violence, and it would still be punished. They just want to they just want to add tack more onto it. That's all it does. But because violence is still illegal, right? And I mean, it's absurd the things that they're focusing on. Like in the middle of a pandemic, when we've got not they. Let's uh, b- let's yeah. be clear here. Tuberville. It's absurd the things that Tuberville, yeah. Tommy Tuberville, is focusing on. In the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of a recession, when people have lost their unemployment stimulus, when people don't have work to go back to, he's talking about freedom from union violence. Give me a break. Give me a break. Yeah. What do you expect? Yeah. I have come to expect this out of out of these types of people. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, it's, it's unfortunate. It's it's loony. Uh, if you want to talk to us, one eight six six four nine four nine eight six six is the number. One eight six six four nine four WVNN. And the biggest problem that you get with this is the fact that who who is Tuberville talk to? Nobody. There, you know, he he puts out all of this stuff, but yet he won't call into our show. He will not do an interview anywhere. He runs. He hides from every media. He hides from his proposed constituents. He don't want to answer any questions. I mean, you have to ask yourself, what's going on? What I mean, in in one of the biggest elections in the state of Alabama right now, Mm -hmm. I would say the biggest election in the last four years. Mm The, the candidate refuses to answer questions from his wanted to be, wanted to be constituents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where's he at? Yeah. 
Where's oh he's in Florida, I guess. He's at his house in Florida vacationing. I've got one. I've got one more story I wanted to talk about. Was there something that that you uh, you, you said that there were some things that that you brought wanting to talk about? You know the other story that I want to talk about, but we've only got twelve minutes. Yeah, we here got left. about twelve minutes. Go so, ahead, take it away. You you didn't want to nah, talk about one ahead. of your things? Okay. So, I saw a tweet yesterday from um, Brett Favre about how he supports President Trump and like, whatever, that's fine. But one of the reasons that he said that he supports President Trump is because President Trump supports freedom of speech and freedom of expression. <laughs> that's one. Of I the, got a funny feeling when we're going here. Yeah, that's one of the things that he said, like, I support Donald Trump because he supports freedom of speech, whatever. Um, you want to know how much Donald Trump supports freedom of speech? His National Labor Relations Board this last week put out for public comment on whether or not they should ban Scabby the Rat from demonstrations on picket line for it being coercive. They're trying to scabby the rat. Snowflakes. Snow, no, Snowflakes. No kidding. Scabby the rat is an inflatable rat yeah. that... Uh, union members take him on picket lines and you know blow up a big scabby the rat to taunt scabs to taunt people who will cross picket lines and say to them that you're no better than a rat we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings yeah and so well i mean <laughs> no, what what, but, what I'm saying, but, the point that I'm trying to make is they're always talking about if your feelings. They're always talking about your yeah, feelings yeah. don't matter. What if your feelings don't matter? What are you worried about? What are you worried Seriously. about a giant inflatable rat? Does Seriously. it really bother you that much that there's a, an inflatable trying, rat on the side of the They're trying to line? make it illegal, illegal. to have yeah. a blow-up doll on a de- in a demonstration. They're trying to make it illegal to have a balloon at a demonstration. Talk to me about freedom of speech. Freedom of speech. Talk to me about the First Amendment. The Trump administration, National Labor Relations Board, the body that is supposed to protect Protect workers, workers the body that is supposed to be for workers, protecting us from employer coercion and exploitation is trying to muzzle us in our demonstrations and trying to say what we can and cannot say they're literally trying to tell us what we can say what we can do on picket lines we're not using this inflatable doll to hit people over the head with it we're just having it on the line and they're trying to make that illegal freedom of speech just watch what you watch what you say yeah freedom of speech yeah yeah Yeah, freedom of speech for people who agree with me to government interventionism and this and this administration uh we got a few more minutes this administration has constantly attacked freedom of speech and freedom of assembly from the get-go and Mm -hmm. and a perfect example when we talk about freedom of speech a perfect example is what's happened in the past few months. Uh, you know, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, Jacob. What, what was the what was the original intent of the police? Even in slave days, 
What was the original intent of the police? It was to capture slaves. To, per, in, per, to specifically, you say capture slaves. That's kind of a wide. Yeah, right. Specifically capture to protect slaves. private property right, because right. slaves were considered private property, and mm-hmm. throughout throughout the years, even with the Pinkertons, it was the hired police it was to protect private property that is the entire that under the capitalist system that is the entire concept of the police is private property is held at the highest esteem above all else that's that if you own your home if you own your land if you own your guns that someone cannot just come in and take those away from you but yet we have a platform that is private property. What would you consider Twitter a public platform? Does the government own it? Does does no. the people own it? No. You know, when you when you sign up for Twitter, you sign an agreement saying you agree mm-hmm. to their terms because they own the platform. But mm-hmm. the government, because their ideas are so terrible on the right, are mad and want to take that private property of Twitter and force them to have a voice on their private property. So once again, we, we, we have this hypocrisy on the right that I'm for freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, so long as it applies to me and not anyone else. Uh, this this whole I mean Ted Cruz was absolutely attacking Twitter last week and it's like do you pay for Twitter does does the taxpayer does any taxpayer money go to Twitter then right. you have no authority over them mm-hmm. they the, as a matter of fact you should be reimbursing those CEOs for the time that they're having to waste sitting before Congress and listen to this idiot bloviate hmm. about he's how he's being treated unfairly guess what if your That's policies wasn't so baby. crap <laughs> you wouldn't be treated unfairly you know that's free market at work hmm. the free market don't care to hear what you have to say that your policies have been terrible for the working people hmm. so get over it yeah i mean that's yeah, yeah. i mean that, it's that you know that's capitalism that's uh that's private property yeah free enterprise everything that they cheer on it's hypocritical it it makes me sick to my stuff i don't know if you've seen the video but that that's really what riled me up because ted cruz getting on there and oh you know just bloviating Mm -hmm. and 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 making a scene and it's like shut the shut the hell up (laughs) shut that because you've been cheering on free market enterprise for years well now the free market is having their way with you and you don't like it Mm -hmm. so you you want socialism yeah i mean you want to start a a government and and my understanding is the far right has started several of these platforms they suck that's why nobody watches them because they suck I mean, yeah, that's that's it's exactly like with the free free speech that Brett Favre was talking about. That um, with uh, and then, you know, what I mentioned with the NLRB, it's freedom of speech for me, not for thee. Capitalism when it suits me, uh, not when it suits you. Like it's the principles here are not consistent. And when I say freedom of speech. 
I say that everybody should have freedom of speech. I say that union members should absolutely have the right to have Scabby the Rat on the picket lines. If you can put and, up a billboard on the side of the road advertising for your company, we yeah. can put up a rat yeah. on the and, side of the road. Yeah, and you know what? Like, if some dirty scabs want to have... I don't know. Snowflakes. Yeah, if they want to like have blow up snowflakes when they cross the picket line and take foods out of the mouths of striking workers, you know, let them. I don't, you know, that's fine with yeah, me. Who cares? That's fine with me. We're not trying to to, uh, to to censor them, but the bosses and the scabs are trying to censor union folks, and uh, and we've got conservative politician types trying to censor private platforms now i you know i've got a critique of capitalism i'm not sure that i don't think that the profit motive in every situation is uh i don't think that the profit motive in every situation incentivizes companies to do what is in the public interest And I, th- you know, and I, I think that that's the case with these social media companies too. And so, you know, I think that there, I think that there may be a place for, uh, for nationalization or for, um, for regulation of these companies because I think that they should be made to, uh, to serve the public interest. But we're gonna leave it there, and we're gonna talk about. <laughs> Man, I apologize. No, no, I forgot it about just it too. Hit me. I'm glad, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm glad you. I'm glad you mentioned it. Next week, folks, mark your calendars because next week we are gonna be live on location. Anybody can come and talk to us. You can come and yell at us. You can come and have some coffee with us. Have some barbecue with us. Donuts. Next weekend, donuts in the morning. Oh my yards. It's gonna be on. It's gonna be on next weekend, 9 a.m. in the Steamfitters and Popfitters Union Hall parking lot, 90. 740 Madison Boulevard, Madison, Alabama. It's going to be such a fun time. It's going to be a fun time. We're going to be out there at 9 a.m. We're going to be out there at 9 a.m. We're going to have coffee and donuts as soon as we get there. Um, And then we're going to be, uh, we are going to be live on the air from 9.30 to 11. We're going to continue live streaming till like 1 or 2 or, or whenever we get bored. We're going to have barbecue for lunch. We're, uh, David is going to smoke some chicken. Ooh. It is amazing. I'm going to make some hamburgers and cheeseburgers and hot dogs. Ooh. We're going to have half a dozen or more, seven or eight or nine local unions. I know uh, Federation of Government Employees, machinists, postal workers, letter carriers, uh, professional engineers. It's going to be a lot of fun. Going to be a lot of folks. If you've got questions for union members in your industry, this is the time to come out and ask them, meet people who are actually in union workplaces, talk to them, talk to us about what it's like, how you can how how you can make your life better by forming a union in your workplace from 9 till 1 or 2 or whenever we get bored in the afternoon. And Steve- it's outdoors. Outdoors, outdoors so social distance social distancing and you don't have to talk about unions if you don't if you no. just want to come out and shoot the bull come out and shoot the bull yeah. and get a piece of chicken it's gonna be fun gonna be yeah 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 come out have fun nine till whenever we get bored steam fitters and pipe fitters union hall 9740 madison boulevard madison alabama come out and see us wonderful time live but- on location Hey, it's been a pleasure today. Yeah, it's been I've a real it. pleasure. We had some great, great guests on. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Tune in next week. Come out and see us. Tune in on the radio or come out and see us. We'll talk to you next week on the Valley Labor Report. <laughs>